Again, he blessed us by, by completing that first vision of, of sending people from Rayford Road Church to serve full-time in, in, um, in Honduras. And I'm just going to ask George right now if you'd come and, um, and um, share with us what God has on your heart. Thank you, George. Thank you. I knew that Brother Johnny was really uh, wanting to get us encouraged about missions. And I don't know if anybody else noticed, but pretty much right on cue with him saying, and this is how you can get involved in missions, the bluegrass music started. So I was thinking that he was about to, he's about to break down a little song for us, but that didn't happen. So um, what a great day uh, to be here um, with you guys and talk about what God's doing um, among the nations in Honduras. And um, something that God has been teaching Kara and I uh, very much uh, the past year, it seems, like, even, it seems like even longer, but the importance of us never growing too old in our faith to where we forget about the gospel. We forget about what God's done in our life. We forget about who we used to be when we were bound to this world um, and who we are now because of what the gospel has done in our life. Um, and what an amazing thing that God has given us all the way back in the time where the Israelites were enslaved in, in Egypt. Um, God, in his grace, has given us a continual time where we look back at, um, at the cross, whether it be looking forward to that Passover lamb that was going to one day come and take away the sins of the world, or whether it's us in the New Testament church, where we look and we can remember, like we did this morning, what Christ has done for us on the cross. Um, it's just amazing how God in his grace, and it's important for us, if it's important that throughout pretty much the whole Bible, God has given uh, people who believe in him this time of remembrance of the gospel, how important is it for us to never grow past that time of what the gospel means in our life? Um, so it's, it's just great. It's great to be here with you guys. We leave to go back Wednesday morning, um, and it's been a great time. God has blessed our time here in the States. We've had opportunities to go speak um, in North Carolina and Virginia. Uh, we weren't able to get out west this year to a couple of churches that, um, that come, and then we have spoke at some churches around here uh, in North Florida. We're definitely ready to get back. Um, it's been encouraging because Sadie and Elias, our two oldest kids, have asked us more this year than they ever have before. Mommy and Daddy, when are we going back home? Um, and so it's, it's really um, it's encouraging for us to, for them to know that that's home, um, and we're trying to teach them um, why we are down there. Um, and so uh, that, that's been an encouragement for us. Um, like Brother Johnny said, we've been there for five and a half years, um, and God has just been blessing us, and he's allowed us to be a part of so much stuff. Uh, one of the focuses um, that we have been trying to do over the past couple of years is uh, pastor training. And for, for four years, we've done a conference in the first week of May uh, that is basically we bring in pastors from um, pretty much all over Honduras. Most of them are from the area that we work in. Um, and we just teach on the biblical uh, model and strategy for evangelism and discipleship. And so we're giving these pastors um, 
very real and applicable things that they can apply in their life and that they can go and teach to their churches wherever they are in Honduras. Um, and it has been an amazing um, experience for us to see and, and how God has, has grown our network of these local pastors, guys that um, live on the backside of the mountains in the middle of nowhere um, who have hardly any educational training, but God has placed on them a calling to lead and to shepherd a body of believers. And so these men are doing their best to work, to provide for their families during the week, but to also prepare lessons and sermons and train and disciple um, believers that God has put under them. And so it's been great for us to get to know these men and come alongside of them and us try to encourage them. At the same time, they're encouraging us with their God stories and the way God is using them um, in, the, in the areas that they live in. Uh, two people that I want to talk about specifically is a guy named Armando. And y'all have heard me talk about him before. Armando lives in Pachero Grande. Um, and Pachero Grande is a community that we've been working in for probably four years or four and a half years. And God has done some great things this year in Pachero Grande. Uh, for those of you who have been there before, um, you know that the believers um, are very faithful. Um, the community is about 100 people or so. And there's, in the, in the entire community, there's um, probably eight to 10 believers in the community. So right at about 10% of the community um, are believers. And earlier this year, we had a little bit um, of a situation. Uh, there was another ministry that came in, and this ministry's focus was on, um, on worldly things and, and, and um, just financial gain and things like that. And so it lured some of the people away um, that, were, that were meeting with us. But at the same time, it opened up the eyes to some of the people who aren't believers in Petrero Grande. Um, and they saw the truth um, of God's word through what we were trying to do there um, as it was, I guess, lined up with what these other people were coming in and preaching. So we're very thankful um, that God showed them that. Um, and, and also it has helped Armando, who's going to be the pastor in Petrero Grande, it's helped to embolden him and strengthen him and really set him apart as the guy that's going to be the pastor there. So please be praying for Petrero Grande and praying for Armando. Another guy that we've met through the pastor training, his name's Wilson. Wilson's testimony is amazing. Wilson used to live in La Esperanza, which is about 15 minutes from where we live. And he would leave um, his family in around November, December and go for two or three months up into the mountains uh, near Comayagua, for those of you who are familiar with the geography of Honduras. Um, and he would go up into the mountains where they grow coffee. And he would live there for two or three months, picking coffee, um, making money for his family, and then he would come back. Um, well, he did that two years ago, and he began sharing the gospel with some of these men who um, every day after work, they would just go, and they would take the money that they made that day, and they would go into town and drink and just spend, waste all their money drinking and gambling and doing all these things, he began sharing the gospel uh, with these men, and, and uh, men began to give their life to the Lord. So Wilson um, stayed there after the coffee season was over, and he was discipling these men, and he ended up moving his family, uh, which is about four hours away from where he used to live, and now he is the pastor of the church in this community called Agua Fria. Um, and he brings, Wilson comes and he brings 
four or five other men, usually it's different guys that come with him every time to the conference, guys that, different guys that he's training and guys that are in his circle of influence there in that community. And he called right before we came here to the States, and he was so excited because he said that uh, it wasn't him that had done this. It was some of the other men um, that had taken what they've been uh, learning in the discipleship conference, and it has spread to other communities in the mountains where they live. Um, and he was so excited talking about how their church has grown um, uh, both spiritually and numerically, but also how God is, is, being, uh, is blessing them and proving himself to be faithful to his strategy and his plan uh, to bring the gospel to people who don't have a relationship with him. Uh, so that's very, uh, very, very encouraging. Uh, we uh, Also, something exciting that happened this year was we added a second discipleship or pastor training, and that was in August. And it was a couple of guys from Providence Village Baptist Church um, in Providence, Florida. Also, um, six people from a church in Desert Ridge, Utah. The two pastors from those two churches went to seminary together, so that's how that connection was made. Um, but it was great. We did a conference on the attributes of God. So each, se- each uh, session was uh, the, the speakers took a different attribute and just um, looked through God's word and how we could uh, learn more about who God is and how we should respond to what the Bible teaches us about who God is. And so this was really more of a time of we're just going to bring these guys in. We're going to love on them. We're going to give them some meat that they can chew on. And we know um, that um, if we think rightly about God, that it, that it trickles down and affects all of our other daily um, life and things like that. And so um, the group from Utah, uh, and this is something else that Kara and I are wanting to try to do this year. The group from Utah are there on a church plant. The pastor, when he got there uh, two years ago, uh, we know that Utah is the hub for the, the, the Mormon religion. And so they went out there. And when he first got out there, he did a What's the Difference conference. And he invited anybody from the area. You could be Christian, atheist, agnostic, um, Mormon, anybody that wanted to come and know the difference between what the Mormon uh, religion taught about, um, about the doctrines of faith and what Christianity teaches. And he said it was amazing. And it really helped to to get their, the church uh, plant going. Um, and so what we want to do this year is we want to invite people from all around the property, and we're going to do a What's the Difference conference on, um, on evangelical Christianity and Catholicism. And we're going to bring the folks in, and we're going to open it up to anybody that wants to come, and we're going to make a list of topics that we think are, are, are um, necessary and important things that we cover um, about the gospel and who God is and what is our response to those things. So please, please be praying for that, um, that God would lead us and guide us in the topics that he would have for us to select and that it would be a time where we just love on the people um, and that the truth of God's word and who he is um, is revealed to the people there. Um, also, we've connected with a ministry that was started in China um, and this ministry is also focused on pastor training and, 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 and coming alongside of pastors and giving them resources. Um, I just want to mention this so that if you guys hear about it later in the year, we have been given some tablets um, that, that they get at a very low cost that they load a lot of uh, resources onto these tablets. And we could take these tablets to these pastors that live in the middle of nowhere 
and they have a, a solar charger. That was the first thing I thought of. I don't know if anybody else was thinking that. But they do come with a solar charger, and these pastors can use these tablets instead of toting around libraries of commentaries and authors that they can read um, and different things that they're going to have right on a tablet, and they're going to be able to use that and study and prepare their sermons and do personal study and things like that. So um, we have a couple that we're going to take back with us. We're going to see how they work, and then we may be contacting you guys to see if anybody wants to partner with us to get some more tablets um, into the hands of these pastors. Um, So again, please be praying for that, the pastor training. Um, Also, Brother Johnny talked about um, our medical team. Last year, we hosted our first medical team, and it was a great success, Um, and we have one coming up here in a few weeks. I do want to encourage anybody that's thinking about coming. Um, You don't have to be um, a doctor or nurse to come on this trip. Um, if you do, if you are and you want to come, um, there are some things that you have to do as far as getting us your license and things like that. But if you just want to come down there, there's tons of stuff that you can do. Um, uh, b- I guess behind the scenes or taking people from place to place. Um, so we do need help and we do need people to come. And so if you have time off and would like to be a part of that, it would be a great opportunity. Uh, last year. Uh, before the medical team started, we had invited three communities, and there was around 1,500 people in these three communities that were invited to come. So we're getting everything ready. We were ready on the first day to see 500 people that first day because we had kind of broken it down by communities, and we were like, okay, we can see 500 this day, 500 the second day, 500 the third day. Um, And God in his grace and his mercy to us um, did not allow us to see 1,500 people. We saw just over 500 people the whole week, but we weren't prepared at all to see 1,500 people, and it was just God and his grace and his mercy. Um, he, uh, as we had a lot of a learning curve to, uh, to learn that first year, and so um, we, we thought we had enough medicine. We had to go to town to buy medicine on several occasions, uh, but God was good. And through that first medical mission team, uh, we, there were 15 people that gave their life to the Lord um, over a four-day period. Um, yeah, that's awesome. At a few different places during um, and throughout the, the, the um, I guess, the, the, gosh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, at the waiting room or where they were waiting in front of the pharmacy or they were waiting on the dentist, there were just certain areas where people were congregating um, in large numbers. And so Harmon and Armando was there this week with us, and we had another, um, a couple of other guys were going around, and where these people were standing and waiting, they were getting up and they were sharing the gospel with those people. Um, and so we didn't have a time where everybody one-on-one um, heard the gospel, but we know that everybody heard the gospel, whether it was waiting to see the doctor or waiting in front of the pharmacy to get their medication or waiting for the dentist. Um, and so it was a great time. And one of the guys that gave his life to the Lord during the medical team, his name's Amelio. And Amelio lives right across the street from us um, in a town called uh, Los Patios. Amelio told us his testimony of how God had been working in his life for weeks before the medical team. Um, Amelio grew up Catholic, as, as pretty much everybody in that area um, are. And and he began questioning and thinking about um, things that he had heard before from evangelical Christians 
and he began listening to a pastor from El Salvador, and he began taking what he, he had heard about Christianity and what this pastor was saying, and he began to line it up with what the Catholics taught. Um, and he began to see through Scripture that what they were teaching wasn't what the Bible um, says. And he said he began having dreams at night of men um, that had passed away, but they were men that he knew were believers in Jesus Christ. And they were saying, Amelio, keep searching, keep looking. You're looking in the right, in the right direction. Keep looking and keep searching. And so he came to the medical team with his family um, one of the days. And the next day he came back and he's like, I've got to talk to somebody. So he talked with Harmon. Um, and Harmon shared the gospel with Amelio. And Amelio was already ready at that time. He knew what he wanted to do. And that day Amelio gave his life to the Lord. And we've been discipling Amelio since March. Um, and it has been amazing to see what God is doing in this man's life. Um, one of the first lessons that we teach in our discipleship uh, program is baptism. And at the end of each session that we do the teaching, we basically um, ask them, okay, what is it that Christ is commanding that you do? And um, what should be your response? And so it basically gives them something that within the week between this training session and the next training session, that they can begin to see fruit in their life from obedience to something that Christ is teaching them to do. And so this week it was baptism, and Amelia was like, I, I need to be baptized. And we were like, okay. And so I'm thinking sometime between now and next Sunday, um, we could maybe meet and get together. And I'm like, Amelia, when do you think would be a good idea or a good time to do that? And he's like, well, I don't have anything this afternoon. And so we were like, all right. And so the wheels started turning, and I think there were some folks from here actually there that morning. Um, and so we began thinking, and we went back to our property, and we, we set up a time with, uh, with Amelio, and we blew up um, Sadie and Elias' swimming pool. And right on the, right on the rocks there in front of, of the dorm, um, we had a baptism that evening with Amelio. Um, and so it was amazing. Um, and Amelio's been just like that. Um, his response to, well, I need to be baptized, is Amelio's response to everything. Every time we sit down and study the Bible, he's like, well, I need to do this. Well, I need to do this. Um, his wife's not a believer. And we first started going to his house, meeting with Amelio. She would, she would have an excuse for why she needed to leave. Um, there were a couple of occasions where she would go through the back of the house and jump out one of the back windows so that she wouldn't have to be there to listen to uh, God's word. Um, Right before we left, uh, many of you guys know Reuben, and Reuben and his family and some other families meet together several times during the week just to pray together, encourage one another um, to do life together. And uh, we heard that Emilio and his wife, and it was actually his wife's decision, she said that she wanted to open up her house as another one of the houses that was kind of on the rotation for that um, for that Bible study and that prayer meeting together. And so we know that God's working. And Amelio's testimony, you could ask anybody within a three to five mile radius of where they live, and they know Amelio, and they know what God's done in his life because of his, um, his excitement and his boldness for the gospel. Uh, so please be praying for him um, as, you, as you pray. Um, also, many of you guys have, have met and heard of Zacharias and Lucrecia, uh, something really awesome happened this year. We're still praying for La Puerta, where they live. There's, it's a community of um, about a 1,000 people, 
and, and Lucrecia and Zacharias and their family are the only believers in this whole community. Um, and there's a community very close to them called El Membrio. And we went there two years ago with a, with a team. And we were looking for houses of peace. Uh, Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72 and he sends them out looking for houses of peace, places where um, maybe Bible studies could begin, um, prayer groups could begin, whatever. And so we went and we were looking for these houses of peace and God blessed us to be able to find some houses of peace in this community um, that we heard was really closed off to the gospel. Um, so we began going and meeting with the family there and due to some circumstances, we just, um, uh, we haven't been meeting with them over the past, I guess the whole, pretty much the whole of last year. Um, they had some, um, they were being, I guess, oppressed a little by the, by the Catholics in that area. And so when it came time for us to go and meet with them, it seemed like there was always something that was coming up. So anyway, one time we went to Zacharias and Lucrecia's house. It was myself, and we had an intern with us named Sean. Sean and I went to Zacharias and Lucrecia on Thursday afternoon, and nobody was there. They had errands to run, and we didn't get the memo in time. So we had a two-hour block there where we didn't have anything scheduled. And so I told Sean, I said, let's go meet a family um, that I hadn't seen in a while. And I was really nervous because I didn't know how we were going to be received. So we went to a little uh, pulperia, which is the Baker County equivalent of a jiffy store. And we went and we got um, a loaf of bread and a little bag of coffee as just like a peace offering. Um, And we went and we met with this lady named Maria and her daughter-in-law named Olga who, and that was the family that we had been meeting with previously in that community. And their faces lit up when we knocked on the door. Um, and they said that they were very excited to see us, and they were hoping that one day we would come back. Um, and so we sat down and we began talking with Maria and Olga, and we've been meeting with them since the beginning of September, um, just doing gospel teaching with them. They're not believers. Um, and every week we would go, um, and we were just teaching them um, the gospel over and over and over again. And I told Zacharias and Lucrecia that we were going. And so on Monday afternoons, Zacharias and Lucrecia said, well, we want to start going with you guys there too. Um, and their Bible study was on Thursdays. So I was meeting with uh, Maria and Olga on Mondays and Zacharias and Lucrecia on Thursdays. But um, Zacharias and Lucrecia were going with us also. Um, and so... I guess it was maybe a month before we left to come here to the States. Um, we went to do the Bible study, and we were, I had another lesson planned um, on the gospel, and I began uh, just talking with them, seeing how their week had been going, and both Maria and Olga shared with me that they had put their faith in Jesus Christ and that they, um, they had actually already had testimonies of how they had faced persecution just within those first few weeks that we had been coming back. Um, and we found out that Maria's dad is the leader of the Catholic Church in this community. And they, they actually had, I guess, what we would call a town hall meeting where Maria and Olga were asked to come before the leadership of the community. Um, and they were like, Maria and Olga, you guys were so um, intelligent. You guys were so um, devout to our religion, to the Catholic religion. How can you let these people come in and deceive you and lead you astray like they've done? And Maria told us that she said, um, we know that, that this is the truth. 
that Jesus Christ is the only way that we can be saved and we've put our faith and trust in him and we're gonna live for him forever for the rest of our life. And so they have, they have, God has emboldened them and they have already put their faith before the people in their community. Um, and we started discipling them and I knew already that we, we were gonna be coming back here to the States. Um, and so Kara and I began to pray um, and I was going to ask Zacharias and Lucrecia, who had been going with us to their house, who knew them by this time, we were going we were going to kind of push the baby birds out of the nest, if you will, and and ask them if they would be ready to begin training and, dis- and discipling Maria and Olga while we were here in the states. So it was my last Thursday to go to Zacharias and Lucrecia's house, and I I had had what I was going to say to them in my head, and I was going to start the Bible study out with that. I just wanted to talk with them and see how they were feeling. I couldn't get a word out. When I got to their house, they were, both of them, had something that they wanted to share with me. And I said, all right, what is it? And they were like, we know you're going to be leaving in a couple of days to go to the States. Um, We are going to go, and we're going to begin training the discipling Maria and Olga. So I just want to praise God for that, because that's his plan, and that's his strategy. Amen, yeah. Um. It's his plan and it's his strategy to do that. Um, Paul tells us that he, t- he teaches Timothy in one of the letters that he write, writes to Timothy. He says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, take that and, tra- and teach it to faithful men that they'll be able to teach it to many others also. So it's not, it's not our plan or our strategy. This is God's plan and God's strategy for evangelism and discipleship. And we are just so thankful that he's allowing us um, to be a part of that. Another thing that's really interesting about Maria and Olga's situation now is Olga's husband, which is Maria's son, his name is Justino, and he's not a believer. But there's one thing that he can do that Maria and Olga can't do, and that's read. And so I gave them a John MacArthur study Bible that, some, that a, a group had left us, some of those. And every evening when Justino gets off from work, guess what he's doing to Maria and Olga? He's reading the Bible. And so uh, they started reading in the, in the Gospel of John. And we, we looked at some scripture in John that they were going to be getting to that is just gospel-rich scripture. And so I just kind of gave them ammo before we left that as, they, as Justino's reading um, the Gospel of John, they could stop and begin asking questions amongst each other and with Justino. Um, and so... I feel like that God's doing a work there, and I'm, I'm excited to see when we get back. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we have a brother in Christ there um, in El Membrio also. So please be praying for them. Pray for that community. I know um, even though they took that step of faith and they were bold um, in, in, in what God was doing in their life, I know that it's going to be hard for them as they are outcast and they're shunned by their family and their communities. Um, but please be praying for that community, and I know that God's going to do a work um, there through Maria and Olga and, and hopefully Justino in the very near future. So um, all of those things are different types of trips um, that, that we do, um, and you guys can be a part of that. You guys can come down and be a part of the pastor training. Um, if you feel like you would like to do some of the teaching, that would be amazing. Let, um, let me know. Um, or if you want to come and just be down there, there's tons of things that need to be done behind the scenes. Um, these pastors come and they stay right on the property with us. So we cook for them and we, 
um, we try to just love on them and serve them as best as we can. If you want to just come and do that for these pastors um, and hang out and spend time with them and hear about what God's doing um, on the backside of a mountain in the middle of nowhere in Honduras, then come and spend time with these pastors. Um, if you want to come on the medical team, then sign up for that and come and be a part of that. Um, if you want to come on a construction team or one of our ministry teams, then come and be a part of it, and God will bless your life for it. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, another way that you guys can be a part uh, of what is going on in Honduras, um, as well as just missions in general, um, there's a sign-up sheet, or there's a table in the back in the foyer, and it's going to be up um, the rest of today, um, and I'll take it down tonight after the service tonight. But what we've done is we've broken down each day of the week um, into 30-minute time sections. And so what we wanted to do, Karen and I thought this would be something that would be really neat, is we want to give you guys an opportunity to jot your name down and your email address and commit to a 30-minute time slot if you want to do it one day a week or if you want to write your name down across all those time slots each day to pray not just for Honduras, but to pray for all the ministries that Brother Johnny spoke of that's going on here in, in Rayford Road um, and in Baker County, but also pray for other missionaries and missions around the world. Um, we want to encourage you guys to do that, um, and you can sign up for that on the back. Um, and also, we are very appreciative for the financial support that Rayford Road gives us. Um, you guys support us more than any, anybody else, and we want to say thank you so much um, it does take financial support for us to be down there. And we know that God wants us to be down there. And so he has proven himself to be faithful over these five and a half years. Um, and so we want to thank you guys very much for your financial support. Thank you for your prayer support. Uh, it's very encouraging for us at a random time during the day or during the year to get a text message or an email and somebody say, we're thinking about you, we're praying for you, or what's something specific that we can be praying for you about. Um, so we thank you for that. Thank you for that encouragement. Um, and also, again, just being involved um, and going on a mission trip. Um, and again, something that's uh, really heavy on my heart, and Brother Johnny basically uh, took the words right out of my mouth this morning, is um, the, Bible, the Bible says that some are called to different things. Okay, some are called to preach, some are called to teach, some are called to be caregivers, some are called to do several different things. But the Bible is very clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that if, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that you are then from that moment on an ambassador of the kingdom of God here on this earth. And so it doesn't, it doesn't mean that everybody has to go and live overseas or that missions is something that you do when you go overseas. Um, God has called us to live missional lives. Um, and he has entrusted us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 teaches us, with a message of reconciliation. That he, is, he has basically made us his voice. And he's, he is pleading with the world to be reconciled back to him. Uh, Matthew 28 Jesus is um, speaking with his disciples and some of the last things that he's going to say with him. And we know it, this familiar passage is the Great Commission. And Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I've been looking 
and, and, and studying what, is he, what did he mean, what's he referring to when he's talking about his authority. Um, and I first looked up authority. Um, and authority could also be translated um, as one that has um, control or command of an area, um, jurisdiction, but also one that determines what happens, whether it be in a specific time or over an area. And so Jesus is saying, I have jurisdiction, I have command, I have the control, and I have determined the things that are going to take place, okay? And how does Jesus have that authority? We know that Jesus, the Bible teaches us clearly that Jesus is God, that he was with God when he created the world. John 1.1 says that, um, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. At the beginning of John, it also teaches us that everything was created through Jesus. There was nothing that was created that was not created by Jesus. And we also learn that Jesus holds everything together. So he has power and he has authority. But he's speaking here of another authority that he has. Here he's speaking to his disciples and he's sending them out with the authority of the one the only begotten sent of God, the Passover lamb, who John referred to when he saw him at the beginning of, of, of John of the Gospels, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was speaking of the authority of the one who was um, the resurrection and the life, the one through who one man's obedience, many would be made righteous. He was speaking through the authority of the one whose heel was bruised, but who crushed the head of the serpent when he gave his life on the cross for us. And after three days, God stamped his sacrifice with the seal of approvement by rolling back the stone and Jesus walking out of the tomb. The authority that Jesus is sending us into the world is with the authority that I have conquered the world. Jesus, or excuse me, Paul speaks in in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 of a triumphal procession. There was a series of events that didn't work out exactly like Paul had thought, and he was in a place called Troas, and he was waiting um, on a guy um, who was going to bring an offering, and that guy wasn't there, but Paul led some people to the Lord in his time there in Troas, but he couldn't stay in Troas because he was wanting to get with this guy who had this offer, and his, his thoughts and his heart was with this guy and he, for his uh, well-being. But Paul said, thanks be to God who through Jesus Christ always leads us through a triumphal procession. And he spoke of that because what the Romans would do, and I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but when there was a great war and there was a great victory for Rome, they would set apart this time for these generals who led this this quest, and they were, they were uh, successful, and they would do this parade, and there would be a lot of pomp and circumstance, and it would, it would be a celebration, a time of, of remembering what this great man had done for Rome, and they would march before them, the captors of an area, and they would uh, march before them also some of the loot and, the, and the, the, what was earned or gained or looted from these conquests. And then behind them would be the man, the general, riding on a chariot, 
pulled by horses, and behind him would be his army. When Paul said, but thanks be to God who continually leads us in triumphal procession, that was the picture that came to their mind because he was speaking in a, Ro- in a Roman province here and, and, and they knew exactly what Paul was talking about. And so the word picture is that us as believers, those who are sent out into the world, we are already being led in a triumphal procession. As we are commissioned, we are sent on a mission but the word co means that we're not alone. We're not alone. God has, Jesus said, I have to leave so that the helper will come. We have a helper. It's the Holy Spirit. And so we are led. Um, Colossians talks about how Jesus took our sins and he nailed it on the cross. And because he did that, he has put the uh, Satan and his antics to open shame. Because he's the accuser and he wants to accuse us, but he can't accuse those who have been redeemed. The, the amazing thing about that is, is I have, uh, well, at one time, praise God, I had a guilty who was stamped across my life. So I did have something that I was accused of. But thanks be to God because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross We have been redeemed. We've been bought back and purchased back. And so Satan has been put to open shame because of what Christ has done. So we are being led into this world through a triumphal procession. The resurrection and the life. God in his infinite wisdom and his strategy is leading us into a world of no hope with the message of reconciliation. He's entrusted you with that. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he has entrusted you with the message of reconciliation. He could split open the sky and proclaim himself, I am God and I'm real. Or he could send angels down. Or he could make the rocks cry out. But he chooses to use us. God has you living in 2015 with your family that you have in the place that you work, the place that you go to school, on the ball team that you're on, whatever circumstances in life that you have, God has you there for that specific purpose. Just after Paul says that that we are being led in triumphal procession, he talks about that we are um, an aroma Matthew, or in Matthew, Jesus speaks of it as uh, we're salt and light. We are continually to live as an aroma. And he says that it's aroma of life to life and of death to death. He goes on to say in Matthew 28 that, um, so at, um, he says, uh, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The word go therefore the tense of that word is the same as we would find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where the Israelites were commanded to teach their children to fear God and obey his commands. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then he says, he gives them very applicable times 
when these Israelite parents were supposed to do that, when their children wake up, when they're eating dinner, when they're walking down the road, when they're going to bed. I don't know about you guys, but I wake up every morning, I eat every day, and I lay back down every night. Those are things that we do every single day of our life. So the point is, what, what, what we learn from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it's the same tense for go, therefore, and make disciples. It's as you're living your life, make disciples. As you're waking up and as you're going to work, as you're walking down the road, as you're eating dinner, as you're going to bed, make disciples. That's what we've been called to do. God has a plan and he has a purpose right where you are to use you in a mighty way. It says to the nations, um, we don't know that a person that we can share the gospel with, a young person or an older person for that matter even, we can share the gospel with them and God could put on their heart to go to Iraq or Iran or um, North Africa, Southeast Asia, these areas of the world that there's almost no gospel presence. We don't know that. We don't know God's plan. He's not specifically calling all of us to go to the nations, but he is calling us to be obedient, to join him in the Great Commission. Um, If you're here today um, and you've heard, you've seen um, us participate in something called communion and you've heard testimonies about God allowing us to go and share the gospel um, among the nations and you don't know for sure um, if you have ever put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, um, I, I, I want you to understand that you're not here today by coincidence. You may have been invited today. You may not even want to be here today. But you're not here by coincidence. God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And if you're here today and you've heard that there is a God that loves you, a God that has graciously and mercifully given you a way to be reunited and reconnected with him through his son, Jesus Christ, um, he has done that because he, he wants you to be into his family. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room are imperfect and we're sinners and we are in need of, of salvation. And the Bible says that none of us are righteous because that's what it takes, righteousness. None of us were good enough. On our best day, our most righteous acts are filthy rags. And God knew that. And his plan, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world was to send his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. And he did that 2,000 years ago. His son came and he lived a perfect, sinless life and he died. He was crucified. And three days later, he rose from the dead. His, his, his sacrifice on the cross was because there had to be death for sin. There had to be payment. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And three days later, he rose from the dead to prove that he is who he says he is, that he is God's son, and that God 
made his stamp of improvement on that and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So if you're here today and you know that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, but you feel like that God is calling you to do that, let today be the day. Do it today because it's not by coincidence that you're here. He has you here for a plan and for a purpose and he loves you. Believers, if you're here today and through what Brother Johnny said or what you've heard um, about what, what's going on in Honduras, if God is, is speaking to you in a way, he may be calling some of you guys to go and to do something that you think is just crazy. Just be obedient to what God's telling you. And, um, and so I, I'll just turn it over to Brother Johnny and however he wants to, to finish. But uh, again, just thank you guys so much. Um, Amen. Wow. Thank you, George. What a powerful testimony. What a powerful testimony. In just a moment, we are going to stand, and as our um, musicians will come and, and take this time, I'm, I'm wondering what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about your salvation, as, 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 as maybe you've heard today, that, that, that you're, not, you, you're, you're not sure that if, 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 if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? I challenge you today to, to, to don't leave this place. You may want to come and say, Pastor, I just need to talk to someone about my relationship with Jesus Christ. We'll have someone that we'll talk with you about. I encourage you to come. But also, there's, there's people here that you are believers, but, but you are searching. You've been searching, God, well, how can I be significantly involved? You find significance through Jesus Christ. And you today may just want to come and, and kneel at the altar and say, Do God, the same song, uh, you are my king. I want to serve you. Now, I want, I want to just be honest. that God has not saved you to come sit on a, a chair. He's not saved you for what you can get out of it. God has redeemed you so that you can share your God story with other people. And so God does not want you just sitting there. You are part of the kingdom. You are part of the workers. And you may just need to come today and at the altar and say, God, I just, whatever you want me to do, God, that's what I'll do. Folks, your life will never be the same. Your life will never be the same. It may be actively involved in one of the ministries here in, in the community. It may be going overseas. But as, as George had said, that, that you may say, God, I can't do that. Nah, that's, that's what's so cool about it. He'll do it for you. All authority has been given to him. You just need to, you need, need to lean on Jesus Christ. So is the Holy Spirit speaking to your life right now? God is speaking to you some way. You may be in need of salvation. They come and say, Pastor, I need to talk to someone about my salvation. You may just need to come and, and kneel at the altar and say, Hey, Lord, just take me and use me however you will. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Let's all stand together as we sing. You know, I'm going to be going down um, later in the year. I, I love to, to serve on the construction strips. I love to be with my brothers. That's how I can build a relationship with my brothers. I need some guys to go with me, man. I'm getting old. I'll be 58 this year. I can't throw the blocks like I used to. We need some of these younger bucks out there. And um, I want to get to know you. Guys, I want to ask you to, hey, come on, say, Pastor, I'll sign up. I'll go down there. I'll, I'll help carry your load a little bit because we're still going to be working. But um, I'm asking you, we, we, we need some young men. I'm just going to ask. I pray God today uh, there will be 10 young men say, hey, 
You can count on me. I want to be there. We need some young ladies that, that you'll say, hey, I'll be there. I'll be there if, if God's willing. And, and if you just place it in God's hand, I guarantee you he'll take care of it. Would you do it? I challenge you. Holy Spirit speaking to you. You need to talk to someone about Jesus Christ. I invite you to come. You need to just come to the altar. Say, God, I don't know what you you want of me, but God, I make myself available. Won't you come as we sing? The altar's open, my friend. Don't wait on someone else. Why don't you take the lead?